a dating and makeover expert where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. Most of the time when I first talk to someone on my free breakthrough calls, people say that they want to find someone that they can share their life with, you know, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, soulmate, partner, whatever the label is. Mostly it's a desire to be in a relationship of some sort. Rarely do I hear, Kimmy, I would love it if you could help me fall in love with myself. Can you help me find, well, me? And the truth is, is that It's exactly what people should be asking themselves and seeking out support for. But that's not what you think about. Because a lack of self-acceptance and self-love turns up the volume on your negative thoughts, which is really the first thing to look at, you know, when you're saying, well, why I'm not attracting somebody that is right for me or, or who I want. You might have an internal conversation with yourself about how you can change to fit in or become stronger or more beautiful, move to a different location or wishing you were a younger age. The problem with this is it moves you further away from what you really want, what you believe in, and what you value in life. And that's when you become stuck, unhappy, and doing things that you don't want to do. So I would like to invite you to play with the idea of exploring your great qualities and having a relationship with yourself and beginning to use self-acceptance and self-love as a way to tap into your happiness because that's really when you attract what you want. Now, I don't mean accepting the things you don't like about yourself and just being okay with them. You might be skilled at doing this, so it also means you might not be good at accepting, say, compliments or staying open to feeling abundant and receiving. So how can you think in a more positive way about the whole you? And I'm sure you could make a very long list of things you don't like about yourself, but what about the things you do like? And when you start accepting all the different facets of yourself and stop fighting the so-called negative qualities you've been trying to keep submerged, you allow yourself to be seen for the whole amazing person that you are rather than continuing to edit yourself for the world and not be ashamed of some of the things that you want to say or or do just because you're worried about what other people think and feel. So if this sounds familiar, I mean, this is really, really important when it comes to attracting the one and stepping into your true nature and accepting the whole means stepping into a happier, more powerful and authentic way of living too. And that is when you will attract the healthy relationship. Like I said in the beginning, that boyfriend, girlfriend, soulmate, partner, whatever it was when you first thought about it. I'll never forget a woman when we had our first call together. She she literally said in the first moment, Kimmy, I want you to help me find my soulmate. I said, that's awesome. And there might be some more work around that in order to help you get there. And, you know, we had coached together for a period of time and it was awesome because a lot of things unraveled, you know, really what was happening is that she did not have a healthy relationship with herself. She hated the way she looked in the mirror. She 
had very low self-worth and she didn't realize how bad it was until we started working together. And a lot of it stemmed from her childhood and the messages that she got growing up. But as we started doing exercises around the things, you know, around her self-worth, I did a makeover with her. She started getting validated from the outside and inside. She realized that this was really what she needed. And at the end of the coaching, guess what happened? She found her soulmate. And she said to me, and I still get chills when I think about this, is she's like, Kimmy, I am the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. And the kicker is it has nothing to do with this guy who's in my life, who's the most amazing man I met. I said, well, what are you happiest about? She said, I am happy because for the first time I love me. And she kind of burst into tears and I became teary-eyed too, just like knowing that this really was the sticking point for her. And the whole time, up until this time, she was focused on the man, not her. So learning how to be happy and and who you are and developing a healthy relationship with yourself doesn't come overnight, especially if you've been through a lot of adversity, toxic relationships, or any other of life's obstacles that have made you second-guess yourself. It's essential to start shifting your mindset, your approach, and perspective to get there. But you have to want to look at yourself and do the work and do it. (laughs) So with me on the line today is someone who has definitely fought his way through some tough stuff and was able to start a new journey by looking at life in a completely new perspective and build a new relationship with himself and now with others. He is a former NFL athlete turned emotional intelligence and success coach. And after almost becoming paralyzed during a football injury in the NFL, he was able to start a new journey by looking at his life from a completely new perspective. He decided to dive headfirst into mastering the relationship he has with his feminine side. Can't wait to hear this because when you see him, you'll be <laughs> you'll want to hear this. A side that he uses with ease and flow to attract what he wants instead of forcing and making things happen. And since making that decision to mend that relationship with the feminine side, He's built an incredibly successful coaching business showing others how to do the same. Welcome, Kian Loggy. Did I say it right? <laughs> you absolutely did, Kimmy. Yes. You did. <laughs> I practiced that for a long time before we came on. Oh, it's so good to have you on. Thanks for for you know coming on and sharing. I I I mean, I know some of your story, but I'm just fascinated with it. And I, I would love to hear more about just kind of what got you here? Yeah. Uh, well, first thing I want to say is that the story that you shared in the beginning about your experience with your client where she thought she was looking for her soulmate, but really she needed to go deeper into more of that self-acceptance and self-love. That's such a beautiful thing. So thank you for sharing that story because I think a lot of people can get a little bit of a reality check with that it can hopefully be pushed in the right direction with hearing that story. So thank you for sharing that. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, no. And I think it is, look, we all have different things that we think we need. And that's why like what you do too is so powerful and helping people just like see themselves and whatever that is. Cause we can't possibly walk around with mirrors, you know, and really see that. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say my my biggest, I, I resonate a lot with that process as well. I mean, ever since I can remember, I've always desired partnership. Uh, since I was six, I remember starting a honeymoon fund 
Uh, my mom, I came out one day and told my mom, I said, Hey, I, I started a honeymoon fund for when I was six years old. So desiring to have that intimate partner that I really connect with at a high level has been something that I, uh, there's in a sense struggle with, have struggled with a little bit in potentially foregoing what I want when I feel like that person enters my life because there is such a, that strong desire. So I'm sure we can dive deeper into that at some point in this and my journey with that. Um, but I'd love to answer your initial question, which is how I got to where I am today. And I'm curious, in what regard do you mean that? Yeah, well, I mean, here you are, or you were an NFL star, you know, had a totally different career, different perspective and who you were, you know, and then obviously life happened and you were injured. And I, I would just love to hear more about that journey and how you got to the other side and, and what you're doing today. Because, you know, and, and the reason why I, I feel like everyone's story is so important too is, you know, a lot of people come on here and they might look the way you do and they might say, oh, well, it's so easy for him, you know, and, you know, how he can, he can do it because maybe the way he looks or the resources he had, you know, or whatever that is. And I think it's super powerful to hear just, you know, how people overcome adversity and get to choose like the positive path, because you could choose another path. Like a lot of people who've gone down what you, the road that you went down too. Yeah. Uh, I, I, with the, the getting to the NFL, there was a level of imposing my will upon my environment that I used to get myself to that place where I would just be driven at all times to pursue as hard as I could to get what I wanted. And sometimes that can be very beneficial. It can get you some really cool things in life, but also living in that perspective can get you some things that you don't actually really want or things that aren't fulfilling to your soul in a sense. Mm. And some of the times when we do have this ability to pursue and go after something at the highest level, it can be not from a, a place of what we really want, but from a place of what we think that we should want or what other people have told us that that we should want. And And a lot of high achievers, which are the majority of the demographic that I work with tend to initially come from that area of it where they're pursuing something at a really high level and making something happening at, at a high level, but isn't really what's fulfilling themselves at the deepest point. So they know how to pursue and operate in this very strong, masculine drive, make things happen, do whatever it takes to get there. But they fail to realize because they're so disconnected from their heart mm. that what they're going after isn't necessarily what they really want. And so that's what I would say football was to some extent for me and that it was this thing that fulfilled this desire inside of myself. It wasn't necessarily what my heart desired to be doing. Oh, I love what you just said so much in so many ways. I mean, I, I was interested too, you know, that, cause I think there's, we get motivated in different ways to fulfill a certain dream or a goal. Like, do you feel like, when you were that guy in the NFL that you were fulfilling your own goal or was there something else that was motivating you and driving you? Yeah. So I actually never had the opportunity to play in a game due to the injury. So I made it all the way there, got picked up. And then I found out in a physical that I had to take with Kansas city that they couldn't pass me because of a neck injury that I had sustained. So I never actually got to play. And so the interesting part about that was that when I got the news, 
I was obviously devastated in that moment. I was crying my eyes out when I got the call when I was there. Uh, but shortly after, there was a sense of relief that came. Huh. And I think for people that are maybe doing what they should be doing at the highest level, they're like, is more of a lull or more pain there. Uh, but for me, there was actually a sense of relief. And I had a conversation with my parents about like, hey, I could spend the time to try to get surgery, to get my neck better, to be where it had to be to play. But there was no desire inside of me that wanted to do that. It was like almost like permission for me to stop doing it <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. So that 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 was... Yeah, where I come no, from. that's yeah. really, you know, it reminds me of like when you're in a bad relationship or one that's not healthy and then they do something to to get rid of and you're like, it's sad and it's hard, but then secretly you're like, thank God they did that because I maybe I would have stayed there, you know, and did something. Correct, and, correct. And, and that's where there's there's this operating system that I've learned to step into where I don't have to wait for the shoe to drop for me to consistently follow what I know is right for myself at the highest level and being connected to more of that, that feminine part of me that's in touch with my emotional side. That's not only uh, in touch with my driving masculine side. It allows me to be in tune with myself of when I know it's time to shift or to move in a different direction to where I don't have to wait for there to be destruction in my wake to commit to what I know I really want and desire. And I think that's an incredible skill to be able to, to harness. Cause I say the majority of people operate from a place of waiting for things to blow up or implode before they, they take action on what they really want or desire. And whether that's in a relationship or whether that's a job, I think it'd be really powerful to step into this deeper place of knowing and act upon it before it implodes. No, th that's exactly right. And it kind of goes back to that driving force and what's motivating you and how that relates to the relationship you have with yourself. Because especially as you're younger, you, you might be motivated based on, you know, wanting to succeed to maybe get praise from your parents or, you know, wanting to be good enough, you know, or changing who you are so that person will love you, like no matter what it is. And as you get a healthier relationship with yourself and demanding more of what you want, you attract that very element that's congruent with you. And I think that's part of what you're saying. I mean, that's really interesting because you really sounded like that release and that relief you got had to do with you were doing something that wasn't really what you maybe wanted deep down. Yeah. Well, you know, what, what always inspired me the most was actually not even necessarily playing in the NFL, but, but the desire to want to win, it's called the Walter Payton man of the year award. And it goes to the man that does the most community service in the NFL. And that was actually what I was so driven towards. So it wasn't even necessarily the sport that I was overly ecstatic about. I mean, I was incredibly talented at it and it was fun to be really good at something that a lot of people praised. Uh, but ultimately what gave me the most fulfillment, and I was very aware of this, was the desire to win this award. That's really, yeah, 
That's interesting. You know, it was funny because um, I'm I'm in a group right now of people. Uh, it's like a, a dating group, and we were talking about fears that a lot of people have, and there's very like five common fears, and I've even done a podcast on it. But one of the fears is like fear of failure, fear of success, you know, fear of abandonment. Like, and then those are the things that actually end up driving us in different ways. And so it's really interesting, you know, and it, it relates to dating what you're saying too because maybe you're motivated just to get like a guy or a girl to like you or you're worried about what they're thinking and feeling and you're not really pulling in and saying, well, wait a second, who's good for me? What is it that I want? You know, despite just the things that are swirling around us. Absolutely. And and that's where for me, the path that I took post-football is a path that I recommend for for many people that uh, have lived their lives in pursuit of fulfilling what other people would think that is best for them or for their, their partner or for their family. They've lived their life in a way that's, that's not for themselves ultimately, but for the pleasing of the people around them. And the next thing that I did was just gave myself a whole lot of permission to not have to know what I wanted, where I was operating in this free space where I broke free of the thing that my upbringing pushed me into. And I explored so many different things uh, in these last five years since football got done, that really has allowed me to get more clear about what I want. But if you're a, a pe- very much a people pleaser and you're very much always so tuned into what other people want, it's difficult to know what you want. So we live like in the personal development space where we talk about all the time, well, know what you want. You need to know what you want. If you know what you want, then you can go after it. But a lot of people that that are so in tune with other people and doing things for other people are so disconnected from their deep receptive desire that it's actually important to take a season of just being messy and doing a bunch of shit that you otherwise normally wouldn't do so you can actually find out for yourself what you really want and desire. Amen. (laughs) Like, hallelujah. No, that's awesome what you just said. It's so true, especially people pleasers and helpers because that, and that's where their confidence lives, right? Is, is helping others. And so to tuning in to themselves is super like scary foreign, whatever it is. So, I want to talk about that mess that you just talked about because I think I think that's great. And, and that's not easy for high achievers because I, I work with a lot of high achievers too. And what would you say, you know, some tips would be to help get over the hump of, well, it's scary to be messy, you know, and not wanting to fall down, you know? Yeah. Well, what made it easier for me was removing myself from the environment that I felt obliged to. And and that can be like physically or that can like your location or that can just be as far as the amount of communication and connectivity you have with that demographic of people. That's your friends or family. Uh, I think it's important to remove yourself first and foremost from those environments because it gets very difficult to be able to be a little messy or to do things that are outside of the way everybody already sees you as when you're so intertwined in that environment still. So I'm not saying that it can't be done, but I think. For me, it was incredibly powerful for me to leave that environment. I was from South Dakota. I was I felt a sense of obligation to the people there to be a certain way. And I felt I couldn't fully step into who I wanted to be while I was still in that environment. So I listened and I left and went to Miami, Florida, directly from South Dakota and did a bunch of fun, wild, crazy shit when I was there. And that kind of led me down a path of just doing 
consistently a bunch of wild, crazy things that people are like, what the heck is he doing? Uh, but, it, but it all it started to get easier when I left the environment that was confining me into being that identity that I actually wanted to break out from. <clears throat> That's awesome. Did you find that there were differences too in who you started attracting into your life? Like when the guy you were before and as you were like moving through this metamorphosis into where you are now? Uh, absolutely. And, and it's always shifting and changing. And I don't even really like when you're in that time of not really fully knowing and just kind of flowing yeah. and rolling with whatever comes and what I don't even, didn't even try to like pay attention to who I was really attracting because I was just huh. being and doing. Uh, I was so used to operating from the lens of, is this the right thing for me? Thinking in the future perspective of, it, will this be the best thing for me? How can I balance out managing people's expectations and what I'm doing? Like I, I would go through all of that. So for me, it was almost just this relief of like not trying to manage all of that and just letting myself be and do. And I wasn't really even paying attention to the people that I was attracting because it was more important just for me to like let go of the control in a sense of, of how I was being and managing other people's emotions and, and expectations. That's so awesome. It's really like a letting go, isn't it? And absolutely. And not being attached to the outcome. And and that's one of the things I talk about all the time, you know, about the definition of flirting is actually to behave as though you're attracted to someone without the serious intention of an outcome. That's that's mm. the true definition in the dictionary, which is so amazing if you think about it cuz people don't do things like flirting or putting themselves out there because they're getting attached to the outcome. But what you just said is so true like when you let go and you're really present, then you're not bogged down about the things of the past and you're not worried about the pu- the future. You you're just worried about what is you know, and just really being present with it. And with that, I think you attract a healthier situation too and people in your lives because you're just really present with people too. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And that's where, when you can, when you can get really in tune with that, you begin to attract a lot of people and a lot of good people. And it can be easy when you are so connected to other people to want to then latch on to the people that you are attracting without taking a step back and asking yourself, do, does this really match up? Like, are we really moving in the right direction? And I don't know if many of your followers are, or listeners are uh, deep lovers, but I would say consider myself a very like loving individual and came from the camp. I came from a family where we had a lot of love. And so Mm. Uh, love, if you have love, that's enough. That's kind of a lot of the, the belief that I had ingrained into me. Uh, but that didn't really serve me because if there was a deep intimacy and connection with someone, then if we could establish love, then all the other things could, we could just deal with and manage. Mm -hmm. And I actually, with, with time and practice and a lot of learning, I found that not to be true. I felt that there was certain elements of a relationship dynamic where to make it successful, it's more than just the the deep love that that you're experiencing for one another, and that we want the similar things. We're moving in the same directions uh, because if if there's a case where we have love, but we're not necessarily moving in the same direction for what we want, or we don't have the same value system for how we want to live our lives, that's going to cause rifts in the future, and it's in in probably one way or another cause one of the parties to become unhappy because they're now living an experience that isn't necessarily aligned to them. So. 
for me, after I started to attract a lot of good people, a lot of beautiful inside and out people, it's, it, it made me get more in touch with what I want and desire separate from what is just coming into me and being able to yeah. separate from that and say, okay, I'm getting a lot of great things, but now what is it that I want out of, out of all these people that I'm, that I'm starting to bring in now? That's really, really awesome. And, and it, it's funny too, how um, just even like higher value people start coming in too, when you start valuing yourself. And I mean, that's like in theory, right? Like you could say, oh, well, if you just consider yourself worth it and high value, then you're going to attract the like, but that's not always easy to do. I mean, that, that can be really just confusing for people. Are there certain, um, also like mindset tricks and, and just like things that people can think about when they're trying to kind of consider themselves more high value and attracting that? Well, when we talk about high value, I think that's kind of like a, a mental understanding based off of a societal norm that's been established that is high value. And so I can try to think and consider myself high value all I want. But if I don't feel that, if I don't really like feel that internally, yeah. then what I'll attract is someone that's the same. So someone externally that may present themselves in a very high value fashion but really they put all their energy and resources into being perceived as that, but not necessarily actually feeling that and being that inside of themselves. So I think there's a big difference between trying to mentally look at yourself as being high value compared to actually doing what it takes to feel incredibly valuable and allowing your actions not to be imposed upon yourself to to be a certain way, but allowing your actions internally to reflect externally. And so I could, for the example that I love to use is the example with uh, enlightenment, right? A lot of people want to, to pursue and get to enlightenment. So they start to do the actions of what they think an enlightened person would be to try to convince themselves that they're enlightened. Instead, I don't believe in that. I believe it's, it's fully allowing yourself to be where you are and embodying that to the highest level and allowing time to evolve you. And eventually you maybe potentially are embodying the characteristics of what it is to be enlightened with time. But it's not about imposing certain operating systems onto yourself to try to be it, but more about spending the time in it and allowing the actions to come from inside and noticing yourself being a certain way, not imposing those actions upon yourself to be it. Does that make sense? Yes. It's such a good distinction too. Well, and, and, and a lot of times, like, I don't know about you, but I'll talk to people who have these theories and they listen to podcasts or they read books, they do a lot of self-reflection, but so much so where it becomes just this theory in their head, you know, or analysis paralysis. It's like, and I always tell people, at what point do you like get off the couch and actually do? And I think the sense of doing and being is what then synthesizes everything that's up here. Because I mean, and as you know, high achievers tend to be in their head a lot, right? And so anything that you can do to be more in your body, in action, experiencing things that will help you integrate all of what you said, I think is the key. Absolutely. And that's where like, I think where many high achievers, what they'll do is they'll find an outcome that they want and then really do what they can to try to control the entire process of reverse engineering (laughs) that thing, right. To step-by-step to get to that place that they want to get to. And I don't function that way. And I, and you know, I'm coming from a place of, I consider myself a very joyous person. Now, obviously I experience emotions like everybody else, but 
the place that I'm coming from is a very joyous place in how I live my life. And I don't reverse engineer the things that I want. I notice desires that I have. I allow myself to feel them and experience them. Mm. And then I almost let go of them. I, I, the example that I give is I, I put them up on a shelf and just kind of forget about them and then step back into the present moment because we, we have all kinds of desires, right? And so I, I, I right. put all these different desires that I notice for what I want up on a high shelf. And then I sit back and notice my environment. I notice what's coming in, what's going out. And then from there, I, if, if I'm noticing there's a block that, that comes to me that moves me in this direction of this desire, I put it on the floor. I put it down right underneath the, that desire that's up on the high shelf. And then I notice, okay, does another one come in? There's another block that I put on top of it. And eventually, blocks accumulate for these different desires that I'll just oh, now I don't have to reach for it, try to jump for it. I just stand on the blocks that I've built up and I just grab it. So I don't attach to having to like go after it 100%. I more come back to the present moment, notice what's coming in and out, and then see if there's things moving in that direction of that desire that I have. And then I just follow it if there is. If there's not, it's moving me a different direction and I follow that. So it's setting the intention or being aware of the desire and then coming back to the present moment and then getting in your body and in, and in your environment. That's beautiful. I love that metaphor of the blocks. And and it's and it's not Jenga, y'all. Like worrying about like if you take one piece out, that everything's gonna fall apart, right? <laughs> it's just it keeps building and building and that you know that you have access to it no matter what height it is. So that's that's cool. Are there certain techniques that you actually teach or do to do that? Like is it visualization or there's you know things that you can do physically with that? Yeah. So I'll give an example. So like I mean, from a very relevant one right now, I dyed my hair blonde a week and a half ago. Oh, that's dyed? Right. I thought it was, you look very natural. You look like oh, me. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, I, I bleached <laughs> it. This is bleached. Yeah. I, I normally have much, oh. much darker brown hair. Yeah. It looks good. So ble- it looks natural. Thank yeah. You. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but so I, I decided to bleach it. I have really dark brown hair. I noticed the initial desire about three months ago. And uh-huh. so I noticed the initial desire. I said, oh, okay. That feels kind of good. Oh, all right put it up on the shelf. And then from there, I'm like, it, it's, it circulates, comes in my mind sometimes. And I'm like, oh, well, I kind of want to look up maybe like an Instagram of different hairstyles that have it. So I allow myself to do that. And I let go of it. And then I run into somebody that has bleached hair. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk to them. And let me see what, what it's like to have it, what they feel, how they feel about it, like why they chose to do it. And I'll have those conversations with them. And it feels good. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That feels good. And then I might go to the barber and might ask him and, and say, hey, dude, do you do you bleach hair? Like, do you do that? He's like, oh, yeah, I do that for sure. <laughs> I, I, I cut hair and I do that. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I noticed that. And eventually the desire gets so strong that it's like I have no choice but to then say, I literally text him and say, hey, what are you doing tonight? And he's like, hey, I'm open. I said, I'll be there. Let's do it. Uh-huh. And it happens. So it's, it's this consistent noticing, right? It's just consistent noticing and just being aware of the, that present desire and then what desires you have the micro desires you have to like kind of like understand it a little more so i think it's really really powerful to be tuned into that space because i think a lot of times we'll just identify with the voice that says yes or identify with the voice that says no and we want to like be concrete about it but yeah. just being just being open right just being open noticing and then seeing where your desires are to pursue it or not to pursue it and before you know it you'll get pushed to it and the blocks are built up and you just reach and you grab it. So a lot of it's letting go of the need to have to 
completely label if it's a yes or a no in that moment and just being open to it being a yes or no in the future. Yes. And what I'm also hearing you say, I don't know if you do this in other things, but the process that you just walked us through, you, you also did observation. You, you did research, you embodied Mm -hmm. something, you asked questions and then you made a decision whether or not it felt good. And in order to do that, then you became it and and see what kind of response you got from it, you know? And so, you know, y'all listening to this, it's just, it's not any different than dating. You know, I, I remember there's this woman who was just petrified to wear dresses, like just at a very simple level. Yet it was the one thing she really needed to do to step into her femininity. And it was like an exercise that I wanted her to embody. And part of it had to do with just messages she got growing up and she was a tomboy and she didn't see herself that way. And she was worried about like sticking out too much and being seen and all these things came up. Right. Um, and I said, well, you know, what if, and this is your homework assignment, you had a dress every single day and you wore it to the grocery store, what would happen? And she's like, well, that's super scary. I wouldn't do it. I said, well, how do you know? That's just in your head. That's that's a perception. Now, if you do it every single day and come back and say, okay, it's still scary. I hate it. Then we'll talk. But you haven't done it yet. It's just, it's a per- perception that you're having. So she did it. And the, the funniest thing that came out of it is she got addicted to it. Because she liked it so much and she started getting so res- so much response from men and men started noticing her and she started liking it and she started putting pictures up on her online profile. Like it became like this domino effect that she's really started tapping into this, this side of her. And, and I just wanted to like show the parallels of what you said and how we can all like relate that to dating too and just really like making decisions for yourself. But you have to feel it and see it in order to believe it. And then you make a decision about it. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And, and the decision ultimately can be the hardest part. We can yeah, be, I, I think many people can be very aware of, of the desire and then the micro, like almost like, like masturbating in like the feeling of having it kind of, and like doing the research, uh, talking to people about it. And that can be easier to do. But then when it comes down to being with the presence of, of the full on, okay, the blocks have already built all the way up. It's time for me to reach. That can be one of the hardest parts. Yeah, that's so true. And that's, and that's what I know you help people with too, because you get to that point and it's like, you need that extra, like validation and help that, wait, is this what you want? And being okay with that too. Absolutely. That's the hardest part sometimes. Being okay. 100%. Yeah, it, it can be it can be so difficult. And it's like, like, even for me, it's it's learning how to disassociate from the voice in that moment mm-hmm. when you know it's right to do something, because I think everybody knows when the moment is right. Mm-hmm. But we can so we can identify with the voice that says it's not right. And it can be so easy to do. And we think that is us. And, you know, I'll, I'll give an example of something that happened recently for me, uh, of an example of where that voice is incredibly strong. And then I, I disassociated from it and allowed myself to, to do what I wanted to do. There was a, uh, my, my neighbor, a neighbor that I, that moved in, uh, about four doors down, just this beautiful girl. And she was moving out in like three days and we just met. And she said she was, uh, moving out and that she was going to be really busy. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to talk to her. That's, I get it. I kept space. and. I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to just go over there, knock on her door, and give her a break from the craziness of what's going on, and then see if we can just hang out for a bit. And I was so fucking scared. Oh, my gosh. Like After she said, she was like, hey, uh, I'm not doing anything with anybody, really. I'm just, like, getting packed, and I'm moving out. I was like, ah, I don't want to, like, go against that. I want to respect that, all this kind of stuff. Right. And but I, but I was but I, what I really want to do is I want to go over there and I want to see if she wants to do something for a little bit. Bam. And I, yes. <laughs> right. And I, and I sat there and there was so much tension and like I, I was like you know what I'm gonna bring over a bottle of San Pellegrino and I'm gonna have a couple glasses and I'm just gonna tell her that we should go up to the rooftop and have a couple drinks up there and I started to walk down the hallway. And after about 10 steps, I turned around, went back into my room. <laughs> no. And I went, I went, I am so fucking scared. I was just sitting there <laughs> by myself. I'm like, I'm so fucking scared. I'm so scared. Just like let myself just feel it, right? I felt wait, it, I felt wait, it, I felt it. Before you go on, what yeah. were you scared about in that moment when you're like, I'm so yeah. scared, I'm so scared? What was the fear oh, about? Okay, I, I, I didn't want her to I, I didn't want to feel rejected. I didn't want exactly. her to be able to. Yeah, right. I didn't want to feel rejected. Rejection. That was it. Exactly. Yeah. That's mostly. That's mostly why that's people stop themselves, right? It's the rejection. Absolutely. Yeah. So I go back to my room and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so scared." I just remember that. I'm like, "I'm so scared." I'm like, "Okay, here we go. It's time. Just do it." So I did it. Walked out of my room. Walked down to her door. Knocked. I'm like, "Oh fuck!" Point of no return. I knocked. It's over accepted my death in that moment just sat there like i'm dead it's over <laughs> she opened <laughs> right? the door in a up. bikini what happened I know. <laughs> she opened the door in a robe <laughs> oh my god it was close yeah you're close she opened the door in a robe just got out of the shower and she kind of looked fresh like hey uh, how are you doing and i'm like i looked at her i go one glass that's all i said one glass just a bottle of san pellegrino she Love mentioned it. before she wasn't drinking and she's like okay that sounds really nice She's like, let me get, let me get dressed. And so I was like, okay. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah, I got it together. I'm like, oh yeah, of course. Like, of course. Uh, yeah. We're going to go right. do this. And internally, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening right now. Like I was freaking the fuck out. This is wild. And so it, it was so fun. She, she came out and we went up to the rooftop and, and had a ton of fun and hung out there for a couple hours, had great conversation and, and then took her back. But it's like, waiting for the, the that voice especially with in regard to taking a chance in relationships or taking the chance of being vulnerable with someone like really like sharing with them where you're at and an experience with them it can be so scary but the difference is is when you know it's right to say something not fully identifying with the voice that says no because it's not really fully you and i think that's something that i have a, a very good skill at doing and what i show other people how to do is to not identify with some of those voices and being able to be in the presence of the voices and still then take action, regardless if the, there's the presence of them or not. Well, and that's the beauty of having a healthy relationship with yourself, because knowing that you're resilient, even in those times of rejection, and the more you put yourself through those things, knowing that you'll bounce back, you know, and that it doesn't really matter what other people think or feel. It's what you want. And, and though the right people will respond. Right. So it's, and it's putting energy into what you want versus the worry that's outside of it. And so that's what was so brilliant about your example. And I'm so happy that you, you, you broke through that fear <laughs> and she even opened the door with a rope. I love that. Um, 
I could just go on and on with you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any like last words of of wisdom or you know just things you want to share? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, we live in a world with an overload of information, and especially in regard to relationships. And we're constantly looking up YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, and, and getting advice from other people, and and talking to other people about what they think that we should do, and and at the end of the day, nobody knows your dynamic better than you in that space. And if you could find a way to learn all this information that's out there, but then learn how to maybe let go of it and step into yourself and what you desire in, in a dynamic, that's the best thing that you can possibly do. And if you're if you're living from a place of just operating from advice that you're getting on, on podcasts and uh, YouTube and for people around you, it's going to lead to being very confusing. So eventually you have to learn the information and then let go of it. Similar to what I talked about in the beginning, right? I have a desire. I put it up on the shelf and then I notice if I move towards it and not allow it to control me. I think it's really important, especially with you know, everybody talking about red flags and talking about attachment styles and talking mm-hmm. about like all this shit now that, mm-hmm. that we had to like think about and worry about. And it just gotten so mental, like the whole project just gotten so mental. And most of the time, like we're not even fully in truth about the situation. I, I hear people talk about red flags all the time where it's like, that's not even really like a red flag. That's just your own issue inside of yourself. Right. Like, (laughs) like, or because Susie on a podcast said, this is a red flag. So this is a red flag, you know, like, it can really create a lot of chaos in your head. It just comes really mental. So regardless of how much we're learning, uh, come back to your own heart, come back to that space Mm. inside of yourself and be able to, to make a decision from that place. And maybe it's not perfect. Maybe it's not right, but, but you're going to learn much better if you operate from that place and make decisions differently the next time. Uh, then if you're just constantly making decisions based off what other people are saying is right or best for you to do. So I'm not saying not to learn all the information out there that that's out there with relationships, but you just, after you do, you put it up on the shelf and allow yourself to really like be in your heart and operating from that place. And it's okay if it's messy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Get down and dirty and enjoy the mud all over yourself. So, oh, can you? Will you certainly walk the walk, talk the talk? And I just really so like appreciate you. And by the way, I believe that you're blonde. And now that you're blonde like me, you'll see you'll have more fun. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah I'm excited to explore what it looks like. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, thank you so much. And thank you for joining me today. This has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you struggle seeing yourself in a positive light and want to create a healthy relationship with yourself to attract that right partner for you, hop on a call with me to see if I can help you crack that code in that part of your life. Just click the link you see in the show notes and schedule that. And who knows, that one call could literally change the entire course of your life. And remember, working on you is working on your dating life. That's all for now.